This podcast is brought to you by, by, by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. I am your host, Natim Tech. I'm so happy that you're able to join us for this episode. Uh, we've been talking about the themes from the CTIF conference that happened this September. Uh, we've featured some of the speakers from the conference. Uh, and today we are going to be featuring uh, one of the exhibitors from the conference, uh, Grace Kichanga. Kichanga is a social uh, innovator and lawyer who founded Luma Law, a platform that provides affordable access to practical, relevant, and user-friendly legal information. I'm happy to have you here. Hi, Grace. How are you doing? Hi, Nati. How are you? Hello, everyone. I'm all right. Thank you so much. Uh, so, I mean, how was the conference for you, just uh, as we start? You know, these conferences are always an eye-opener. It makes you realize you're not an island. Because half the right. time, especially when you're in civic tech, you a lot of times don't know what's going on and you don't know what's happening in the ecosystem. So it's always nice to be part of these conferences where you actually see, wow, people are really thinking outside of the box out there. But for me, it's always a pity that we never build together. For me, that's right. always the, the sad side. Uh, did you get a chance to like speak to some of the exhibitors? Uh, I know you're an exhibitor as well. Did you get a chance to interact with some people there? I did. Um, right. But I think, I think everyone, a lot of times, is in different stages of building. I mean, obviously, when we come to these conferences, best foot forward, it's like going on a date. You know, right. makeup is on, you know, you know, best, best outfit is on. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of founders will tell you um, in the background, you know, you're furiously trying to put out fires. So I've come to understand that people are always in different stages of build mm. um, and understanding and respecting that. But it's always good to have those introductory conversations. Um, right. So when the time does come, you're able to, to take the conversation further. I, I just want to talk about your platform, Blumalaw. Let's just start with about when did you, you did launch it uh, and, and what triggered the launch in, in the first place? So my backstory is, again, I started with trying to solve a problem. Right. I had no intentions of going into tech. I mean, I'm a lawyer, so we are very tech averse. But sort of how this whole thing started was I was doing community workshops, you know, um, just as a way to pass the time. I wanted to do something more meaningful with my life. Started teaching people about the basics on the law, what they need to do. So not even like, legal information but more the basics around the processes of being able to to access justice so where to go what to do what documents you need you know i'm saving people time by telling them that you know just certify your document before you go visit a state institution because then you'll end up losing another day having to go back and get it certified so i started realizing that there were key things that were coming out that were actually costing people time and money and for me, I just didn't understand why a lot of this information wasn't out there for the public because essentially justice belongs to them. I started doing my workshops in 2017, did that for a while up until 2018. I actually, I joined Gibbs, um, the social entrepreneurship program. And there they really forced us to think outside of the box um, beyond being an NGO and, you know, pulling on your heartstrings and having a passion project. How do you become sustainable? How do you take advantage of some of the emerging technology to be able to, to do good and create enterprises that are for good, but are also for profit? Um, and that's sort of where the idea for Luma as um, a technology platform was born. At the time, I did a lot of research around what platform, you know, that was 2018, there were a lot of apps that were popping up everywhere. But whenever I'd go back to the communities to do my workshops, people didn't have the same phone that I had, you know, right. they're the limited space on their phones and they weren't downloading apps, but they did have two apps. 
they had WhatsApp and they had Facebook. Right. Um, and that's sort of how I just started going. At first, it was supposed to be a WhatsApp group. And then I was like, no, Grace, you need to think about things like privacy, you know? And then I think the one time I was just interacting with a bot online and I'm like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. And that's how I fell into a rabbit hole of chatbots and understanding that there's a whole spectrum of them from basic service chatbots all the way to intelligent AI driven chatbots. And that's what Luma is aiming to be. And so you, you you had this idea in 2018. When did you decide to launch? Last year, 2020 was such a whirlwind. We were yeah. supposed to launch in March. Had a whole event planned. Um, and then obviously what happened, happened. So we ended up launching without any fanfare, literally the day after lockdown was announced. That's when mm-hmm. we went live. To be honest, it actually worked out in our favor because now suddenly everyone's at home. People are struggling to understand what does this mean for their job security? People didn't know what to do when employers were imposing reduced salary and making you take annual leave, you know, the whole UIF drama from last year. And we got a lot of traction, largely mm-hmm. because we were allowing people to have a platform to have access to a lot of the information they were actually looking for because people were scrambling around on social media. And I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot of misinformation on here. So why don't we just add, especially COVID-related information on the bot? And um, that was a big hit. And I, and I think, you know, for many of like just tech organizations, just tech initiatives, the pandemic, as much as it, you know, it had its negatives, was such a positive for people wanting to work online or just Absolutely. tech platforms because more people just like went, you know, I'm, I'm taking this up because, I mean, this is the only thing I can do right now. And I suppose you launched at the right time. Absolutely. I think, I think the pandemic accelerated, as I heard someone say recently, 10 years into the future. There was a lot of anxiety and a lot of hesitation pre-COVID um, with respect to adopting technology. Now, everyone, even the big guys are like, bring it on. What, I mean, mm. what do you guys have to say? So it's, it's a very different landscape now as compared to pre-COVID. And I imagine that like, tech platforms like yours would have been primarily used before COVID would have been primarily used by young people. Do you find that you have a lot older people using uh, your your platform now? Absolutely. You know, I think there's a misconception that older people don't use tech platforms, but right. older people are on Facebook. Your mother is most probably on Facebook. You know, <laughs> our parents are on WhatsApp. I mean, they finally figured out how this WhatsApp thing works. Mm. And, you know, understanding that these platforms are a cheaper and easier way to communicate has busted the myth that only young people are able to make use of these technology platforms. And I think there is a move towards with tech in general to simplify things and not to build tech that excludes, but rather tech that includes, tech that's simple and tech that's user-friendly. And so I just want to talk about the platform itself. So. Um, you launched it. I mean, how does it work now? So I know that you, you have a very yeah. large part of the of the platform that uses artificial intelligence, right? Uh, could you just mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about how it works and how people kind of, um, you know, what they need to do to be able to get on this platform? When we first launched, I was very excited about the whole concept of tech and machine learning. But Natty, what I have learned from being completely honest to your listeners is that it's not as glamorous as people make it out to be. You know, AI mm-hmm. and tech. AI and machine learning is lo- is built on data. Data right, is right. very manual. Data is a lot of what we know. Data exists. So a lot of it we found, but it's live on Facebook Messenger. If you go to the High Luma Law page, you'll be able to access it. But it's not very intelligent. It's not intuitive. It's not able to understand 
a user's intention and be able to contextualize that request and provide um, information. And, and understanding that also that the way users interact uh, when they know there's another human that's going to respond, like a lot of these Facebook groups, um, is very different from when a user understands that they're speaking to a bot. So even in how they ask their question, we are in the process of analyzing the behavior of users and how, how they write, how they communicate. And a lot of that is manual. A lot of that forms the foundation for what then we go and call AI and machine learning. So it's been a journey of learning and discovery. So we are actually preparing to launch Luma 2.0. Um, it'll be officially live. Oh, I don't want to give a date. Let me say next year because we're in the <laughs> middle of testing. Okay. Uh, but okay. it's been a lot of, I mean, we've been offline for a while now because I really had to go back to the drawing table and be like, well, what did I actually want the people to have? I wanted the people to have a conversational experience mm. of the mm. law. Granted, it'll never replace lawyers. Granted, We'll never, we'll never be able to take up that space, but we can take up that space when it comes to basic conversation and saving people time and money in that respect. But mm. I wasn't able to do that. And for me, I guess um, a type personality where I'm like, let's, let's, let's shut down. Let's, let's, let's withdraw. Mm. Let's understand what it is. What do we want to achieve and how do we work backwards in order for us and figure out where we went wrong in order for us to go forward. And I like that. And I, I like that you say that because, you know, one, one of the things that I, I want to be able to do with this podcast is, is to really get the, the real stories around innovation out there. That it's not mm-hmm. a, I'm going to start not now easy. and it's going to work out uh, forever. Mm-hmm. I have to start and stop. I need to. There's a lot of starting and stopping, hey? <laughs> it's yes. like when you first learn how to drive. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that. I, I like that, that, you know, that's, that, that's what you, I mean, the, the honesty is, is amazing. <laughs> um, and, and just what, 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 are you, what is your biggest realization or, or around social entrepreneurship? My biggest realization is that social entrepreneurship can be commercialized. Mm. It takes a while to figure out what the right business plan is to generate revenue. And it'll take a few trials and you'll end up pivoting a few times. But as long as you remember your why, and I know that sounds so cliche because everyone says that, but it's cliche because mm-hmm. it's true. Right. Remember why you're doing what you're doing and, and figure out who is your customer at the end of the day. Your customer might not be your intended beneficiaries, but right. there is definitely a customer that will pay to have the impact that you're trying to put out there. So there will always be someone who will benefit from your platform and they are the real customers. But sometimes you need to start for you to be able to, to recognize that. And what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that your why and, and, and the reason why you were starting again is, is that the way you started was probably not as interactive as you had wanted it to be. Am I correct in, in, in assuming? Correct, Natty. Right. And, and so what I heard from you at, at the Hangouts that we're having uh, at uh, CTIF is that you wanted to kind of make the platform more accessible. And one of those ways that you wanted this platform to be accessible was, was through language. Can you just tell me a little bit about what, what that meant? How, how are you going to use language to make it more, more accessible? Uh, I'm also going to be honest again. Language mm. in AI and machine learning um, in Africa, there are various platforms. And I think the Masakana project might have been part of the CTIN conference. 
I don't remember seeing them, but I know they've been involved either this year or previously. And they are trying to, to bring um, African languages into, I guess, the realm of AI and machine learning because the platforms that a lot of us use to build on don't recognize African languages. Mm-hmm. You know, um, from what I heard recently, uh, Microsoft was trying to do something with Swahili, but in general, the European languages are the ones that are catered for. So even our Luma 2.0 bot is going to be in English. It's plain, simple, understandable English. We're not using any legalese on it, mm-hmm. but the, I'm hoping that by the time in a couple of months time, we'll be able to experiment with African languages and see um, how we can sort of work our way around that. Am I right in assuming that in making the platform more accessible, so instead of having the chatbot, right, you, are you going to mm-hmm. be having more people on the other side of the platform interacting with people answering questions? Uh, that's actually where our business model comes in. Mm-hmm. So on the bot, you're able to get access to basic information. But right. like I said earlier, it'll never replace a lawyer. So if you want to speak to a lawyer, we have partnered with um, an organization that has Um, a lot more clout than we do in the legal industry. And they have access to a large panel of attorneys all over the country. So when you want to speak to a lawyer, you'll actually be able to do that for only 495 rand per consultation. Um, That's another thing that we know will rattle the industry because the industry is built on billable hours. So we are moving away from the per hour billing model to per consultation because we want to give our users um, and our clients value. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly where our business model came in because we are like the bot is free. um, But at some point you have to start thinking about sustainability. And earlier on, you spoke about the collection of data. Mm. Uh, I'm very interested in, in how you, you go about doing that. I mean, how many resources do you have to be able to collect as much data as you can? And what kind of data are you really collecting? So we've outsourced, uh, like a lot of people who, when they've started out, we've outsourced our software development, let me say. But in outsourcing our development, you know, I did a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of speaking to people who are much smarter than I am in understanding how do I automate a lot of functions that will be necessary for the bot going forward? Mm. So when we speak about collecting data, we're collecting, um, the bot is not there to collect data on the individual, like personal information. The only point where we collect data about the individual is when we want, when you actually want to speak to an attorney. So obviously mm. then we'll need to capture your, your cell phone number, your email, your name, and right. like, you know, a synopsis of what's, what's going on with your case. But before then, we actually don't want to collect your data. The right. data we're collecting is what are the key themes when it comes to a lack of access to justice. So right. we're collecting data on what are people asking about? Which mm. areas um, are people in, in the Western Cape asking more about housing and rental disputes versus people in Johannesburg who are asking more about labor law um, related type of queries? And even then, can we're segmenting further to understand are the top queries about UIF or they're about unfair dismissal? Those mm. are the trends that that is the data that we're collecting to understand what are some of the key drivers when it comes to why people are not able to access justice. Mm-hmm. And have you been able, I mean, I know you with Luminor 1.0, have you been able to kind of understand what type of things that people are concerned yes. about the most? Yes. And we actually, Nati, we actually saw that change from the date of launch to now, because we're still collecting mm-hmm. data on, on that bot. When we launched, it was UIF was right on top. 
I, did, I think it's actually been 18 months now, not more. But over the, the last year and a half, it's moved from UIF. And then there was a period where people were asking a lot about resignations and, and resigning. We saw that a lot towards the end of last year. Towards the beginning of this year, we actually saw a lot of stuff about maintenance, father's rights, Lobola. I don't know if that came out of December being a happy hmm. period. <laughs> um, but like the trends are consistently changing. Right. Um, and I love that we're able to see that flow. Yeah, I mean, you spoke earlier about disrupting the industry and changing the way people bail uh, people. And, and, and so it, it kind of goes into the theme that we're covering at, uh, at, CIT, at CTIF, mm. uh, that DIY Africa theme, right? Mm. So DIY Africa, for me at least, like, means that you know, we're changing the way things are being done or we're not mm. waiting for the experts to do things. Mm. So we are going to do it ourselves and we're going to disrupt the way things are being done. I mean, what does it mean for you, that whole concept of DIY Africa, especially in the, in, in the context of Blumelo? I could not have actually said that better myself, but right. if I had to say something, it's exactly that. It's about having a vision and having the, the guts to go for it. Right. You know, I'm an attorney. I know nothing about tech. I had mm. no business going into the space, but I knew what I wanted. I knew the impact I was trying to create. I had a basic understanding of what the business model or the value prop should look like mm-hmm. um but i threw caution to the wind and i did it and, I, and i've had discussions with this with other people who are in the tech space where you know when you look at places like silicon valley someone could get easily funding for mil- multi-million dollars for an idea you know mm. before they've even given a minimal viable product right. so there is a lot more expectation on african innovators to do more with less but then you also just take that and, and, you, and you work with what you've got. The platform itself, people come in and they talk about their challenges. So, I mean, how far do you take the cases? You go, you know, once they have consulted with you guys, do you guys go mm. to court with them? Do you go do settlements with them? How far do you take this, the, these cases? On the bot, the idea is that it's only basic because the, you're only a legal advisor can provide you with legal advice. So the bot basically just provides you with legal information. But as far as the legal services go, we are pro-mediation. We are pro-dispute resolution. So our big thing is we don't prefer to litigate. If you have to litigate, then it'll almost be as a last resort. But from a legal services point of view, we'll, we'll take it all the way to, to settlement. Just before we, we, we were close the, the interview, I, I, I mean... I know there are entrepreneurs who are coming up, young entrepreneurs, and I think you might have said this already. You might have given some words of wisdom already, but I, I just want you know, in in a in a sentence or two, words of wisdom for young innovators who are getting into tech and using tech as 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 a way of you know of changing mm-hmm. the world. Do you have any words of wisdom around their entrepreneurial journey and what it is they need to look out for? I always say the same thing: be brave. Be there brave. were there are many times you'll have to call on your own courage where it will not come from anywhere else but you. Be brave in the audacity of your idea. Be brave in presenting it to the world. It does not have to be a finished product. Mm-hmm. You know, be brave in, in, in approaching people, especially on LinkedIn, right. and people who you want to be your customers. Um, and uh, the great thing with LinkedIn is you have direct access to CEOs. You know, right. be brave right. in doing that. 
Right. Um, be, be brave and participating in conferences. People will look you up afterwards. And a lot of times you sell your vision. And remember, people invest in people. So be brave in your passion as well. I like that. And like it's that not going to be easy. And that's why I always say that a lot of times it will all come to you. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't sleep. I think a lot of us have chronic insomnia. In the middle of the night when, you are trying, when you're thinking about, okay, this whole thing could fall apart and I must just quit, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You then the sun comes up in the morning and you know what? Actually, this is my plan A, B, C, D. Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, it's been Thank wonderful you, talking to you. I've uh, this project sounds like an exciting project. This and, and I know um, <laughs> I'm excited oh, for the world to see. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll catch up with you once you're able to launch 2.0. Uh, Luma Law 2.0 uh, yes. but thank you so much for, for just like showing up for the podcast um, we'll be thank back you, right Nancy. after this Thank you for staying with us. I just want to tell you about some tech events that you may be interested in. Uh, The ODI Summit will be happening virtually on the 2nd of November this year. This year's summit explores the relationship between people and data. Join our very own Geshe Karuri Sepina and other speakers as they explore this relationship. Check out the registration details in the episode description. Uh, Also, please do check out all the CTIF sessions on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have put up uh, some short clips for you to watch on the go. Uh, so many valuable lessons for civic techers in Africa. Uh, see the episode description as well to see where you, you can find our YouTube channel. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Now I'm going to share a thought from Ali Kutangote. He says, to build a successful business, you must start small and dream big. In the journey of entrepreneurship, tenacity of purpose is supreme. That's your innovation thought for the day. That concludes this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast and please see the episode description for all the places you can follow and engage with the Civic Tech Innovation Network. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets.